Welcome to On Par with the President. On our podcast today, I'm excited to be talking with Dr. Jose Aviles, Vice President for Enrollment Management at LSU. Currently in his fifth year at LSU, Dr. Aviles has built some of the largest and most talented and diverse student classes in the university's history. Over the last two decades, Dr. Aviles has intentionally served eight different institutions, ranging from our country's most selective institutions to community college. His inspiration to serve students comes from his own experience as a first-generation college student. We're teeing off with Dr. Aviles. Let's get to know him a little better right now. Welcome. Good to see you. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to see you as well, sir. Let's get started from the beginning. You have an inspirational story because you're a first-generation college student. When did you realize you wanted to go to college? Well, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily a straight line for me. I, I think I came to terms with the fact of going to college pretty late in my high school career. In fact, I was in my senior year when I finally really made that commitment. And part of that really was the fact that I didn't know anyone in my family. Uh, well, no one in my family had gone to college, and I didn't know anyone really in my neighborhood who had had that journey. So it's not like I had any models around me of success. I characterized my high school years as largely being adrift, but enough to keep my head above water. And it wasn't until I met one of my most significant mentors um, at the college that I ultimately attended in New Jersey, Mr. Myers, who inspired me to think about you know, this journey of, of, of going into the academy and what it meant and, and, and what it means to be a college-educated person in this country. Amazing. So there was one person who made a big difference for you. Yes, no question. I subscribe, you know, philosophically to, you know, the perspective that no significant learning truly happens without a significant relationship. You know, because again, I went to a under resource, largely under-resourced school in New Jersey, and I would say that guidance counselors largely would look at, at the potential of who we were, perhaps certainly students that were coming from my neighborhood, which were a low-income housing development in New Jersey, as students that largely would be tracked into some vocation if we were lucky, um, perhaps going off to be a barber or mechanic or something of that nature. And it was Mr. Myers that was the first person in my life who, you know, within the first few weeks of meeting him, said to me, Jose, you're bright. You're, you know, you're someone who should, you know, should pursue not just your bachelor's degree, but you, you're, you, I expect you to be a doctor someday. Mm. And there was, you know, significantly different messages than what I was used to. And, and certainly, I would say up to that point, I don't remember anyone calling me bright. Um, but it was something that, that kind of set in motion a relationship with, uh, with this mentor that ultimately led to having extraordinarily high expectations of me as a student, perhaps higher than what I even had of myself at the time, and placed a different level of value on education than I had experienced other places. You know, certainly at home, you know, my mom was largely um, trying to keep, you know, food on the table and working, you know, multiple jobs and wasn't necessarily, um, you know, involved in my educational experience throughout high school. So it was you know, my mentor, Mr. Myers, that probably, you know, not probably, I can absolutely credit with, with bringing um, just a whole different way of looking at, at all of this um, in terms of an educational pursuit in, into perspective for me. A big part of golf is after you tee off, you want to be able to get to the green as quickly as you can with fewer strokes. It means you're going to be a better scorer. We want to understand how Dr. Aviles 
is actually a, a pro. How did he get to where he is right now? So you mentioned Mr. Myers, and I just want to understand, and I want other people to understand, what, what has kept you driven all these years? You know, 24 years into this work, I say to the staffs that I've been a part of and I've had the fortunate um, opportunity to lead that you can see yourself as a simple admission counselor that goes and puts a banner on a table and spends two hours at a college fair a night. Or you can see yourself as an educator responsible for students that you are working and serving in the, the larger pipeline of education, in the larger system of education. And if you see yourself that way, there's a responsibility and accountability that goes with the work that we're doing. So I understand that you're a big relationship person, and that's a big part of how you think about the world. Help us understand the role of relationships in your current role and how, how you frame that as a value in your activities day to day. What I recognized early on in college admissions is that what made me different as a recruiter even was the fact that I would spend the kind of time inordinate amount of time working with students, especially students who don't have access to good information, who often see the, the process of, of college admissions as incredibly complicated or overwhelming. And the difference that I found was always relationship. It was, can you spend time? Can you build trust? Can you show students and families that this process doesn't have to be complicated, doesn't have to be overwhelming? Relationship is everything. It's not about what you put in a brochure. It's not about what you're putting on a website to these families. It's about helping them see a picture of success that includes them in it. The double ego, really outstanding a performance on a golf course. When did you know as a professional, you made it? You realized I'm here? You know, that's an interesting question. You know, I, I don't necessarily feel that I've, I've made it even now, to be honest with you. I feel like there's still so much work to do that I feel that that sense of anxiety sometimes where time is running out. I think if there is a moment, it could be probably, I think at the point of, of being conferred my doctoral degree. I remember starting that process, the doctoral journey and kind of journaling at that time, like, how did I get here? Like, how does that happen? And um, trying to make sense of that. Well, I'm not going to ask you the secret sauce of all your strategies. I know you have to keep those confidential, but tell us broadly how you developed the concepts to drive your recruitment and enrollment strategy. I'm probably known most for, for telling um, directors that I'm not interested in hiring technicians in our world. Like I'm not, I can teach somebody to do admissions and recruitment. What I can't teach them to do is to care and have a love to serve students. Like you either have that or you don't. And if you're not passionate about making a difference in the life of a young person, you're probably not going to work in my staff, you know, for very long because the work that we're doing is really, really hard. You know, when you think about the things that we've done at LSU in terms of the historic nature of the gains, it's exhausting. It takes a significant lift on the part of, you know, very talented staff that are part of our team. You're willing to do that if you believe in it. If you really are willing to run through a brick wall to, to impact the life of a young person and their community, this makes sense to you. But if that's not really what you are deeply passionate about, then this work becomes way too hard to add up to, to making sense. 
So I, I think it, it's about recruiting talented staff members who have a passion to serve students. It's about digging into the research to inform practice. And it's about using data to inform every aspect of the work we do before we start delving into strategies. I think those are the pieces that really make us successful. Minding the flag. A big part of golf is the ritual of supporting others, making sure they are able to uh, score as high as they can. It's not just about your score, but it's about the other person. How does um, these notions that I'm hearing in the literature about resilience and grit fit into what you're trying to do when you try to uh, bring a class together? Yes, you know, that's the exciting part of, of the time that we're living in. I think COVID has probably accelerated even the conversations around things like these characteristics of students that exist outside of a standardized test score, for example, or other areas that are have been the, the hallmarks of the admission process. And so that's something that we can all get around, right? You know, someone who, who's getting up every day and fighting and pursuing and pushing, you know, despite how many times they get knocked down. You know, grit is made up of two basic characteristics or variables, right? It's one part passion, one part perseverance. I see that in the students that we're bringing to, to, to LSU, you know, consistently over and over again. These passionate young people that are coming into this environment and, you know, LSU is not an easy place. This is a place where you're going to be challenged, where expectations are high. And our faculty are looking at you to really uh, meet that expectation that they have of you academically. And so it's going to take you getting up every day and finding a way in which you're going to be able to push forward, no matter what that expectation is. And you do that because you are passionate about what you're studying. You are passionate about what you're pursuing. So a gritty student, I think, is, is oftentimes in many ways probably missed through the traditional admission processes. But if you start looking, you start kind of you know, pursuing a new way of thinking about the way that you're evaluating a student or providing access, I think not only will you expand access, but you're going to find that the community of scholars that you're bringing to the institution you're serving are so much richer than what you would have had otherwise. Wow. That, that was the best explanation of uh, grit in um, that whole literature resilience that I've heard. Thank you for that. It's Hispanic Heritage Month, and you've been seen as a leader in expanding Hispanic uh, growth in our student population here at LSU. What does that mean to you? You know, again, when you talk about points of pride, here's another one for me. The Hispanic number from 2017 to today has grown by over 100%. I think we were bringing in like maybe 300 Hispanic students back in 2017. This year's freshman class, um, we're close to 700 Hispanic students who are part of the centering class that just started here in, in fall 2021. Amazing. Those numbers are astounding. But to me, it's, it's those, those interactions that happen within the process that make up those numbers and make those numbers become real. And I just think about, again, across the state of Louisiana, the rapid growth in the Hispanic number across the state of Louisiana is, is just alarming. It's crazy. As a flagship, you know, how can we continue to be that beacon of hope for those families? How can we be a place where those families, those students who have earned the right to participate and are prepared to be successful on this ca campus, how can they be included in the freshman classes? It has to be a very intentional thing that we're doing to, to be able to reach and, and serve those students. And we've done that successfully. And when I look at the numbers that, of, of growth, I just think about, again, those families. I think about the communities that they are a part of. 
And then I think about our state, right? The challenges in our state, I think they're rooted in education. You know, how do we get more students to participate? How can we serve them better? Because they go back and be their member, they make their families stronger, they make their community stronger. And I think over a generation, we'll see that the, the, the state is stronger by virtue of the things that we're doing on this campus. And, uh, and I think that the Hispanic community is, is a good example of that because of the growth. And it's just um, inspiring and just inspiring to see, to see what's happening there. Thank you. I'd like to turn to some questions that um, aren't as serious as the ones we just had. That cause we, we, we stay focused on some pretty serious matters. In your travels around Louisiana, can you give me a couple of favorite places you visited? Well, that's an easy one. There's no question. Listen, before I got to LSU, I remember when I visited LSU, I said to my wife, I said, the best conference city I had ever been to was New Orleans. Every time there was a conference in New Orleans, I would be the first to sign up. I, I just, it was just a, a remarkable place that is truly authentic in so many ways. And I, I know I'm preaching to the choir here and, and the folks that are listening to today, they, they know their city and they know their state, but, but as an outsider, I just thought, man, this place, like take any other place USA and it's like just a truly American city that feels maybe a little nuanced, it's a little different, but it, you still feel like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, in the character of what a U.S. major city is. New Orleans is just distinctly different. It's just so different. And it's, it's just been great to explore the culture, the food, the music. So, yeah, New Orleans, I would say, and I know that's an easy answer, but that's the truth. Got Favorite it. place. What is your daily routine? What's life like for you every day? Yeah, you know, I mean, I get started pretty early. Generally try to get up and just get the pulse on, on the day. I, I um responsible at home to drop off my my son who's an eighth grader at U High. And then generally the first in my office or in the building to to get in. And you know, the first thing I do is is I just open up the dashboards. I want to see what the data is telling us. You know, what what can I make sense of the days or anything that again from my perspective jumps out as as something to to kind of um you know, double down on. And, and, and that's so critical for us because admissions, especially, we don't own the timeline. Admissions happens according to the admission calendar. And if you miss a window, you're probably going to be dead in the water. So on a daily basis, you have to kind of take a look and, and get to understand what's happening, especially according to the time of the calendar that we're in. You know, generally have a um, pulse check, um, just checkpoint with um, some of the direct reports. Um, again, to kind of reinforce what, you know, what I'm seeing on data, but, but also to hear what they're dealing with on the day, keep my thumb on the pulse. And then you're off to consuming sets of meetings throughout the rest of the day. Although, you know, a few times a week, generally around three times a week, I try to get in a, a four to five mile run. I love to do it at high noon because, you know, <laughs> Prez, this is, this is the way I'm wired. This, this is the way I'm wired. And my staff, my, even my wife, Whoa. my wife had this, my wife had this conversation with some of my staff member um, over the summer because when we were running, she was like, there's a 108 degrees advisory out there. And my point is, yeah, I'm not running in the morning or in the evening. I want to do hard things. I want to run in that 108 degree heat advisory. And we're going to do four or five. And if you don't want to join, that's fine, but I'm going to do it. And to me, in my mind, that just reinforces that, yeah, hard things you can do hard things. There's no such thing as can't, you know, there's a difference, right? There's some things you're going to come up to in life that you can't do. 
But often it's not that you can't do things. It's just that things are hard. And so it's just going to mean you got to double down the effort and your resolve, your commitment to get it done. So that's why I try to run every, you know, every day or not every day, three times a week, four to five miles um, high noon. And then I, I, you know, round out the, the evening, I, you know, my, my son plays basketball. So I try to get it home somewhere between 536 um, to get some, you know, get some basketball in with them. Generally, you know, try to get through some drills, but also just play some games with them and, um, and then do family dinner. And then back, it's back to work, you know, generally around eight or nine at night just to round out the day. You know, and that, that's just a normal day, I, you know, obviously in our work. And, and again, during times that where COVID isn't necessarily present, I'm doing a lot more traveling you know, out and around the state or, or on national conversations and that kind of stuff. Understood. And finally, what's your favorite location on campus? Favorite location? I have to say, I have to say lakes. Cause that's, you know, I love getting out there and get my running and just, you know, I think it's a real serene. In fact, I would say that, that, that of all the campuses I've been a part of, I think that's probably, this is probably the best running course that I've had because I've, I've been a runner for quite a while now. And, um, and so I try to get out at lunch because it breaks out the day nicely. But um, but the lake's definitely probably the best course that I've had to run on, for sure. Well, I want to thank you, sir, for being on par with the president. Um, I told you earlier that, of course, you've earned the right to be called doctor. But, you know, in the true spirit of Michael Jordan, you know, you, you should go by one name because you're making it happen. So I, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for joining us. President, it's been my honor, and thank you, thank you for having me. And um, I'm just, I'm just excited to continue the work that we're doing here, and and to do it under your leadership. I'm looking forward to it. So thank you so much for the opportunity.